Six years ago, my daughter Jessica started on her journey at Karate America towards Black Belt. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, about a month ago, she earned her second degree Black Belt, which is why I tell my children that if you ever, ever have any trouble with somebody, just call Jessica. She will help you and take care of that. So, so I don't mess around with Jessica. In fact, the other day, she threw a kick at me and I didn't even see it coming. And uh, luckily, she honored her father by pulling it up short. So I was very glad that day she knew that. But one of my favorite phrases that she has learned in our house is this. There'll be a time, and this doesn't happen all the time, my house is a lot like your house, but there are times every once in a while where I would tell Jessica, Jessica, I need you to clean the kitchen. And instead of hearing the, it's not my turn, why don't you ask one of my sisters? I already cleaned the living room. I'm tired. I will hear the, yes, sir. I love those days. <laughs> don't you love those days when you hear that? And that has caught on. Like, I bless Jessica, that bless Karate America, that that phrase has caught on, because every once in a while we'll hear that from the rest of our kids, yes, sir, or to mom, yes, ma'am. Like, that is awesome, because that does not always happen. I was thinking about uh, the difference in, in, in how that phrase is and how uh, the world is sometimes today and the difference between TV shows I watched growing up and how they portrayed fathers and authority figures versus the TV shows of today. Uh, how many of you remember these shows? Uh, Tool Time with Tim the Toolman Taylor. You remember that show? I love that show. Or, or Full House, not the new Full House, the real Full House, right? The, the days of days of old, right? Family Ties. You remember this show, Family Ties? Or how about this one? This is the one I loved growing up, The Wonder Years. Winnie, I loved The Wonder Years. You know, in many of those shows, the dads weren't perfect. We heard that from Christiana before. The dads were not perfect, but there was still an honor, a, a respect that came to those fathers. Even Tim the Toolman Taylor, there was an honor and a respect that was shown to him, or when those children wouldn't act correctly, there was a way in which they were disciplined. Or one of my favorite shows that really showed that was, was Boy Meets World. Remember that? And the respect for Mr. Feeney, and the respect for the class, the respect for, like there was just this respect that's shown. And then along came The Simpsons, and Bart Simpson, and all of a sudden, you started getting dads who were aloof, or ignorant, or bad, or oblivious, or just absent altogether. You had shows like Family Guy, or one of my all-time favorites. I don't remember if the show was called this, but I just remember the child in the show, uh, Caillou. If you remember that, with that, I, that is one of my least favorite cartoons that was outlawed in my house because it was almost glorified whining to the point of disrespect to parents and parents just giving in to the disrespect. Or you watch the Disney Channel today. And you watch the Disney Channel and it's almost as if there are no parents and children are just running their own lives. In fact, it was said about Generation Z, our newest generation, that if you actually look at a lot of the movies that mark their life, the movies like Hunger Games, Harry Potter, 
things along those lines, that the parents are almost absent, that, that they're living, especially look at Hunger Games, in, in this world, this post-traumatic world, where there is some sort of disaster that takes place, and now the children are having to run and parent and do everything themselves in the absence of any authority figures. You look at TV shows and movies of today, and it's almost a rite of passage. It's almost glorified that there is a dishonoring of parents or civil disobedience towards those who are in authority over us. It is almost celebrated the treatment of dishonor for those that are, well, portrayed as dishonorable. Today we're going to talk about that. Is how should we honor those who are dishonorable? Should we blindly obey those who call us to do what is not called to do? Is there a time for disobedience? And how do we honor father and mother and those who are in authority over us? Luther, as he talks about the fourth commandment, honor your father and mother, says this along with what does this mean? Would you read these words with me this morning? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise or anger our parents or other authorities, but honor them serve and obey them, love and cherish them. But what about when they act dishonorably? What about when they ask us to do something that is outside of God's will? What what about those times? That's what we're going to look at as we look at God's Word according to this commandment this morning. Now, normally what I love to do is just to take one passage of Scripture and dive really deep into that passage of Scripture. But today what I want to do is share a bunch of different passages at more of a surface level about this commandment, honor your father and mother, to see the common themes that are growing out of that, and then to show you one last passage that's going to address the theme of, well, do we always blindly just obey those who are in authority over us? The first passage I want to look at is this one that, that talks about the fourth commandment as it, as it was given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. That word, honor. What that word honor means is to esteem, to give glory to, or another way of saying it is, is to give weight to something. To give weight to something. You know what that means. Because there are people in your life who their words have greater weight than other people. For instance, if a coworker says something to you and a boss says something to you, many times the boss's words will carry greater weight than the coworker's words because the boss has authority and power over you. So there the weight of their words is greater. Or in a family, if a sibling tells you clean your room or a parent tells you clean your room, the parent's words most likely carry greater weight because they have the ability to punish than somebody else does. And what it's saying here is to to give greater weight to, greater honor, greater authority, greater respect, greater love, greater glory to your father and to your mother. And then he goes on and says, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, when I first read that many years ago, the the statement that came to mind was a statement my dad said to me at one point, which is, I was probably disobeying when he said it, I brought you into this world, I can take you out of it, right? So God is saying, I brought you into this land, I can take you out of it. That's not what he's saying. This is not a law-based threat This is a gospel-based blessing. He's saying, honor your father and mother because I want 
Your days to be long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Meaning, what that means is days to be long is, is I want it to be a blessing. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to rejoice in all that God has given you. I mean, think about your own house. When there is an honoring of father and mother, when there is no disobedience, there's usually no tension or fighting. Or in the classroom, when the teacher is honored and students are listening and obeying, there is probably less frustration taking place in the classroom or at work or in our home. And God is saying, honor your father and mother, honor those who are in authority over you that that you may be able to enjoy, to rejoice over, and to find blessing in the life that God has given to you. This is what I want, not from you, but this is what I want for you. I want for you better homes, better workplaces, better classrooms. I just want these things for you. Paul talks about this very same thing. It was our epistle reading today, Ephesians 6, 1 to 4, and then he explains the opposite side of this as well. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Now, we're going to get back to this phrase, in the Lord, because that is a very, very significant phrase in understanding what it means to obey those who are in authority over us in the Lord. So, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is what is good. This is what God calls for. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. Notice he doesn't say with a threat, but with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. And now the other side. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. He's basically saying, dads, you probably know exactly the right button to push in your children's lives to cause them to react in a way that probably isn't the best way to react. You know your children well enough that you can poke them in just the right way to provoke them to anger. In fact, I was reminded of that after worship last night. Uh, Jessica, my daughter, had come with me and we were out in the narthex greeting. And uh, she was kind of hanging on me and bugging me and, and, uh, and, and, and it was getting a little bit annoying, I'll be honest. And so finally I turned around and I poked her just the right way. And she's like, Dad! And then she looked at me and goes, didn't you listen to yourself? <laughs> You're grounded. So, <laughs> honor your father and mother. But, uh, but I knew how to poke her to try to get her to walk away. There's a time, moms and dads, where you know how to poke your children in just the right way to aggravate them, to frustrate them. And God is saying here, don't poke your children to anger them, but if you're going to poke them, if you're going to provoke them, provoke them to love the Lord your God. Provoke them to be brought up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. In fact, dads, this is why There is nowhere that is better for you to be this morning than to be in worship. To be an example to your children, to be an example to your grandchildren, to be an example to the children of our congregation. That where else would we be on a Sunday morning but in the Lord's house? And that if we're going to be there, then those who honor father and mother are going to honor them by following them where they go, which is in the worship and instruction of the Lord. That's what it means to honor father and mother, that they will follow. And when we honor God and they honor father and mother, then they will honor God because we do, as we honor our father in heaven. 
So Paul explains it this way, but Paul doesn't just limit his explanation of what it means to honor father and mother to only honoring father and mother, but he actually will go on and talk about how we honor all those who have authority over us, including in the political realm. He says in chapter 13, let every of Romans, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. The sword is that tool of capital punishment. He's talking about capital punishment there. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Do you notice, who does God say gives those who are in authority, authority? Who puts them in authority? God does, doesn't he? But what about if it's a president you don't like? What about if you're a Republican and it's a Democrat? What if you're a Democrat and it's a Republican? What if it's a Libertarian? What if it's a governor you don't agree with? Well, what if it's a, a, a local board member that, that you uh, have tension with? What if you don't like what they have to say and how they act? Well. Who is Paul writing to? The church in Rome. And who was an authority in the church in Rome? The emperor was. And how did the emperor treat Christians? Not very well, did he? He sought to put them to death. In fact, we believe Paul went to Rome and found his death in Rome. And Paul, who knew the emperor's wrath and understood the emperor's persecution, he even said, still, the emperor is the one that you should honor. In fact, he says this to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, first of all, then I urge that supplications and prayers, intercessions and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet, godly and dignified life in every way. Or in 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says this, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme, he's very specific, the emperor, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should, be put, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. But what about the president? What, what about Obama? What about Trump? What about Governor Evers? What about... Peter pretty much makes it clear, doesn't he? He says, honor the emperor, even if you don't like what they have to say because they've been put there by God. Pray for them. Be a good citizen of this country. The reason that we struggle with honor is because we honor people usually only when we feel that they are worthy of honor. 
or when they act honorably or when they treat us with honor or they align with our ideologies. We're like, as long as you do what I want you to do, I will honor you. But I have taught my children this, and when I teach youth this, I always teach it this way, that, that when it comes to honor and dishonor, that we are not in charge of and have no control about how other people act, but we will always have control about how we react. We will never have control about the honor other people show, but we will always have control over the honor that we have the opportunity to respond with. It's our actions that we are held accountable for, not the actions of others. And God calls us to show honor to those that he calls us to show honor to. Do you ever think about this too? That when we show dishonor, what we're doing is we're actually teaching our children to show that same kind of dishonor. That if you're on the soccer fields, if you're sitting at the basketball courts in the stands and you start yelling at the coach or you start berating the officials on the court, you're actually teaching your children how to treat officials and coaches. That if you in your house, when you come home from work, if you start bad-mouthing a boss or bad-mouthing your children's teacher or bad-mouthing your own parents, you're actually teaching your children how to bad-mouth you someday or their teachers, or their bosses someday. Because the way that you show honor to those who are in authority is how you actually teach your children to show honor to those who are authority over them in their life. And Peter, and Paul, and even Jesus shows us how we show honor. In fact, Jesus himself, he is on trial in an unjust way receiving a punishment that is not his, but is actually Barabbas's. Jesus, standing before Pilate, says this to Pilate. Jesus answered Pilate, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. He says, says, says I'm gonna honor you because you've been given this authority from God. Or David, David who has been anointed the king of Israel, and Saul, who God has rejected now as king of Israel, but is still in that position of authority. God has not removed him just yet, even though he's set up David to be the next king. Saul is pursuing David, pursues him to kill him. And David runs to a cave, hides in the back of the cave. Saul enters the cave, not knowing David's in the cave, not knowing David's hiding there with his men, enters the cave by himself. And the men of David said to him, here is the day of which the Lord says to you, behold, I will give your enemy into your hand and you shall do to him as seems good to you. Which the men are basically saying, go ahead and kill him. This is the time. Kill him and become the king. And so David arises and stealthily cuts off a corner of Saul's robe. But afterwards, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord. He calls Saul my Lord. To my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing as he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. Do you see the honor that is shown there to those who are in authority over him, even though he is already anointed king of Israel? That's the honor that we show. That the honor that we show those who are in authority over us is a reflection of the honor that we are called to show our Father in heaven. But the question is, so do we just blindly, obediently do everything that an authority figure says to us? Well, we actually see 
a different aspect of this in Acts chapter 5. In Acts chapter 5, Peter and the apostles have just been arrested. They've been put in prison. And in the middle of the night, they were set free, and they went out and started proclaiming the name of Jesus again. And so again, they are arrested, and it says this. And when they had brought them, and they had set them, they being the Peter and the apostles, before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, we strictly charged you not to teach in this name, and yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than man. Do you see the tension in all of the texts that we've looked at so far? We must obey those who are in authority, even the emperor, even Pilate, and and yet we must obey God rather than man. So so where is the boundary of that obedience? How does that all work out? Well, here's here's how this works, the boundary of this. And it's in the understanding of something we call vocation. Vocation is God's given calling to you in different places in your life. So you have the vocation of a father, a mother, a husband, a wife, a son, a daughter, a coworker, a citizen, a leader, whatever that is, you have different vocations and it's how God calls you to fulfill them. So there's a boundary of what it means to be a godly father. And when godly fathers act within that boundary, we are called to obey them. So if moms and dads say, wash the dishes, that means wash the dishes because that's honoring father and mother in a godly way. But if fathers or mothers ask you to act in a way that is not godly, then it is better to say, I would rather obey God than man. Meaning, if moms or dads say, I need you to lie to your teacher. Or... If there is a divorce situation and one spouse says, I need you to lie to your mom or to your dad, that is stepping outside of what God has called you to do as a parent or in the political realm, what it means to be a godly political leader. So if a political leader is acting within those confines, then we honor them. This is why Paul goes on and says, if they ask for taxes, pay taxes. But if they act outside of the boundary of what it means to be a political godly leader, then we would say that we must obey God rather than man. So if if the government comes in and says, you know what, you need to provide the opportunity for all people to have abortions and take life. We would say absolutely not. We obey God who protects all life from conception to the grave. And we will always protect that. And we will obey God rather than man. But as long as they're inside of what it means to be a godly leader, then we obey them. There's a tension there. There is a tension between, in these callings, how we honor authority as we honor God, and then we must obey God rather than man. Do you see that tension? That tension that can form there? And that's because we can honor without always obeying. We can speak the truth but we can always speak that truth in love. God calls us to honor those who are in authority over us because it is a reflection of how we honor our Father in heaven, but that we would honor God first. That's a first commandment thing, right? And we would honor God first, and as we honor God first, we obey God rather than man. And as we obey God, we will then honor those who are in authority over us as God would honor them because that's his calling on you and me, that we would honor as we are honored in Jesus' name. Amen.